You're listening to the Spawn on Me podcast with your host, the captain, Khalif Adams, the Baron of Bourbon, Cicero Holmes, and the man who makes everything look good, Sharif Jackson of SharifJackson.com. Welcome to Bercago, y'all. What is good, everybody in Bercago? This is episode 302 of the Spawn on Me podcast. I'm your host, Khalif Adams, and I am chilling here, rocking it straight from Portland, Oregon, doing our thing in the west side of Bercago, making sure that everything is good for everybody here in the land of Bercago, our wonderful place of uh, homes and visits and uh, of chillings, all that good stuff. Uh, huge shout out to everyone here in Twitch land, everyone in X-Ray land, everyone in podcast land. We have a lot of stuff to talk about this week. We had a fantastic week for a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff that went down last week. The episode that we had 302 was crazy. So 301 was crazy. We had a lot of folks repping the show. We talked a lot about that Dr. Disrespect nonsense. And we got a lot of love for it. And we got some hate for it. But it was okay. It was all good in the hood. Uh, because all that stuff is pretty fantastic. Shout out to Gary Witta in the chat. Shout out to the Witta, to the Witta fam uh, out there. Thank you so much for coming through. Yo, we have a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Again, thank you to everyone who listened to the show, everyone who paid attention to the stuff that we were talking about last week. I felt like we did a fantastic job of kind of covering it in smart ways. And we also had the chance to be able to kind of share information with folks that didn't necessarily kind of understand the reasons why we were talking about why that Dr. Disrespect stuff was so important, Uh, not only to our community, to the Twitch community and the streaming community, but to the community at large who, you know, folks who are trying to do good work. And trying to put out good vibes for people. So uh, thank you to everybody. Thank you to our friends over at Kind of Funny, Greg Miller and uh, Andrea Renee, who killed it in their analysis of, of the incident and are, you know, giving us a bunch of love and showcasing what we do. Um, and shout out to everybody in the community who came through, uh, you know, super hard on YouTube and came through in, in all the platforms that we that we represent um, and shared a lot of love for the episode and shared episode um, shared the episode and shared a lot of, um, goodwill for, you know, the conversations that were happening. So again, thank you to everyone there. If you're listening to us now, we are on Spreaker as well. We moved hosts. So that's a good thing. Uh, they've been helping us out with monetizing the show and doing some other stuff there. So big shout out to them. They've been fantastic. It's been great to be able to move stuff and have people in our corner, be able to kind of help us make things a little bit easier in the way that we do the show. Um, so the reason why you see that push to YouTube is automatic from them. So it's really great uh, that they have that incorporated into their platform and, and, and stuff like that. But besides all that good stuff, it is Monday. We were recording a little bit late this week. Uh, my wife came back uh, from camping out in the woods. She was playing the role of wilderness woman and uh, I miss her. So it was good to be able to chill with her this weekend uh, and catch up and, and hear all her running around and doing all that stuff out in the Oregon wilds and things like that. So that was fantastic. Um, but this week we have a lot of dope stuff to talk about because there was some fantastic stuff that happened, not only for me personally, but I think for the industry this week, um, our friends over at no clip, Danny O'Dwyer, Jeremy, uh, over on the cam, they put out their E3 documentary, their behind the scenes documentary of what they kind of what they showcase. Uh, E3 being for folks who are not necessarily just the folks that we usually think of, right? So you kind of think of now E3 is moving closer to a fan conference as it is opposed to what just a uh, industry conference. You know, that's been a movement that's been happening for the past couple of years. We've seen that kind of change the way that the uh, the landscape has moved for that, not only the ESA, but just for the 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 conference as a whole there's been this conference uh, conversation around the decline of e3 and what that means for folks and and how that's going to change a lot of things and it was really dope to be able to see two people who i really love and and have loved danny's work for a very long time dig into you know just the nuts and bolts of what it takes to put on that show from multiple angles which was fantastic. Usually, you know, Noclip gets to go in and embed themselves in, you know, uh, developer havens and, and kind of go in and check out the work that people are doing specifically for a game. But this was more about the, the you know, the biggest show that we all kind of think of when we talk about the gaming industry. The people have deemed it the mecca of video games. 
And it still is. It still is that thing for a lot of people. I think a lot of people still aspire to get into that space and to get into that conference because it is this thing where if you've done it or you are able to get that acceptance and, and you get a badge for going into that show, you felt like the work that you have been doing for however long you've been doing this work in this gaming industry, you've gotten, you've gotten some validation by getting into this particular thing because it is the thing that where everyone converges on it to give you all the best news um, that you can kind of wrap your head around. And it was it was amazingly dope to to one be a part of it and be featured in it, uh, which was a thing that I didn't expect, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but it was so fantastic because it embodied literally every feeling that I have about that show in one documentary, and 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 I watched it Saturday morning. I'm a patron. I'm a patron of uh, of NoClip, so those folks get it a little bit early. They get a chance to see it. And I sat in bed, I turned it on my phone, watched it on my phone, beautifully shot. As, as usual, Danny does a fantastic job of kind of relaying the information and laying the, and laying the, the groundwork for the, the hypothesis of like what he, they want to kind of share during that show. And I'm not going to lie, like I, I usually don't like tear up about stuff, but in a weird way, like Danny going through the process of talking about, you know, and bringing on people like Rich Gallup, who I'm a huge of his work when he was over at GameSpot, and then going back and seeing the folks um, over at, uh, let me think, uh, over at IGN kind of go through the process of making, of making all that work showcase itself. Like how many pieces and, 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 and people does it take to put on a production like that? that is that big and that enormous and, and structured in a way where it feels like everything is coming together, where everything is like running like this amazing ship. And it was one of those things that when I sat down and kind of thought about it in relation to what we do here at Spawn On Me and what we've, what we've been able to do at Spawn On Me and the time it's taken, it, I like cried a little bit. It like, it's bugged out to even say it out loud, but it's like not even because I'm like on some like I'm a dude and dudes don't cry, but it's like there has been so much time, effort and energy put into making the thing that you're viewing now and hearing, you know, be good and to um, to, to, to embark on this journey in a way that was like not something I thought was ever going to happen, you know, and, and and to think about you know, just like how far we have all come in this industry in such a short amount of time. It really like brought me to tears. I'm trying not to choke up now thinking about it, but it's one of those things where Danny did and, and, and Jeremy did such a fantastic job of getting that side of the industry showcased and shown. It gives me so much pleasure to be able to do this work. Like this is all work. Like, yes, it's a hobby. Yes, it's a, yes, it's the thing that, you know, brings me joy. I get so much joy from people sharing out what we do and for for bigging us up and, and giving us love and, and, you know, people being in the chat, you know, like Gary, Gary Witt is a friend of mine now. Like I could shout Gary Witt out and like Gary Witt wrote freaking Star Wars joints and like Paris and, and cats from Gamertag Radio, like seeing those cats and seeing this this uh, this industry grow and seeing those people grow in the space. And seeing all these convergent pieces of all these things that like move together, it is such a fantastic job that we get to do. Yes, it doesn't pay anything. Like I, I'm amazingly thankful for everyone who has ever given us love. You know, in any of these spaces, monetarily, that's hard earned money that comes out of your pocket. Um, and and it means so much for us to be able to kind of do that stuff. Um. But it is one of those things that like even talking about just that one show and Danny going through the process of talking to folks over at like Vice and, and Waypoint, I mean, Vice and Waypoint, because they are the same thing. And now at this point, um, uh, 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 skill up over at, on YouTube, uh, you know, getting to see Mary Kish and, he, and him talking to, to the folks over at Twitch. Like it makes me think about 
how many moving parts come together to make that show what it is and then reflects back on me kind of reminiscing about, you know, how many times, you know, I was able to, you know, meet someone face to face at a show and that build out what we are able to do for for years to come. You know what I mean? Like I think about the amount of money that me and my wife have put into this project. You know what I mean? Like the the amount of people who have been like awesome and showcasing our stuff has been so dope. It's been fantastic. So I want to, it's like, I remember there was this one part in the episode that they showcased on no clip, uh, show showcase on the no clip documentary. And it really brought it home for me where it was this moment where Patrick Klepek was watching the trailer for Blair, Witch, and he loves horror movies. I love Patrick because he loves horror movies. I love horror movies too. And this moment where he turned into a kid and was just as excited about them showcasing this game that he was possibly excited for and him bugging out. And I remember what that's like. Like, I know what that feeling is. Like, I know what that means to be able to be like, holy crap, this is a thing that I didn't expect. And it was fantastic to be able to see that thing happen. And to see someone who is so, who is such a veteran in this space, still have those feelings. That was so fantastic for my, for my well-being. Like that was a thing that made me feel super, super good about just like everything that we get to do here. And I, I am constantly just in amazement for the pleasure that I get to, to, to do this work and to be able to see, you know, people doing this kind of stuff and still being excited about it and still being happy about it and still being joyous about it. When we see so many terrible things within the gaming industry that it's like so refreshing to remember that each one of us to a certain extent still has those kid moments and how important those kid moments are to hold on to so that you can continue to, to do the fantastic work that we hopefully all want to do. Of course, this isn't the end of what we, you know, this isn't like the, 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 the like stopping point for, you know, how far I think spawn on me can go, but it is one of those things where it just gives me so much more want to keep going and pushing really hard. You know what I mean? Like, I think that spawn on me, you know, uh, uh, plus gums in the, in the chat was like, yo, the, the, the logo looks really dope. It's like, you know, we ha I have so many plans of what I want this stream to become, what I want our audio presence to become, you know, what I want the podcast to be able to do and to say, and to have as a platform to continue to build all this stuff out that it just gives me so much pleasure to be able to do some of that stuff. And again, to, to see people like Danny O'Dwyer, who is a, a veteran and who's been doing this work for so long, just get it right. Like to encapsulate all those feelings in such a fantastic way, you know, getting to see him talk to Jason Schreier about like just the, the way that the show goes down, him, seeing him talk about the stuff over on, at, at cyberpunk and talk to those folks, getting to talk to, um, uh, getting to talk to, uh, the folks over at, uh, Tenocon and, and, and with Warframe, like, there's so many people to see so many people to see in that doc and so many people who have made so many fantastic maneuvers in this industry um, that again, it was just like, it, it just really brought me like massive amounts of joy. Like it brought me so much joy to be able to see and understand what the hard work that goes into that show means and to hopefully be able to express and show that through the work that we do is amazingly important. And it is such a wonderful thing to have been a part of. Um, and I feel like I usually don't use the word blessed because I'm not religious, but it, it is a blessing to be able to say, like, I was a part of that thing and that we've continued to be a part of each other's work in some weird ways. Like, I would love to do a collaboration with with, with Danny and Noclip in some real way. Uh, that's not just me being featured and running around in the street and stuff, but it's like there are stories in it, that Noclip does that I would love to be able to, to, to partake in or to even to kind of help. Uh, uh, make real. Like, I think there are stories in the, the, the black and brown gaming community that, that no clip could be able to touch and, and do good work with. And I feel like, you know, even if it's something that they are not able to do that, we want to be able to do that work here at spawn on me 
pulling in people who we know who do fantastic stuff and be able to, you know, make those kinds of conversations be real as well. Um, so it's, it's a lot of stuff, uh, that is all coming together in lots of different ways. And again, you know, being able to, you know, roll up on Danny in, you know, going from one place to another. Let me, let me talk about that real fast. Cause I think that that was an interesting thing. And it's actually really telling about just how important it is to go to events like that. Like this section is for people who are content creators, especially if you're a podcaster or, or, uh, a person who is making stuff and you love the gaming industry and stuff like that. The idea in the conversation about why it's important to be in the room, especially as a person of color is you never know, especially if you're starting to get to the point of the process where you're starting to get more known and people understand what you do. And, you know, again, it's a blessing to have so many people, you know, recognize the work that I do and we do at spawn on me. But it's like one of those things where I was literally walking out of another appointment going towards Microsoft and I saw Danny like just starting to set up to film and I rolled up on him and just to go give him a dap, just like give him a hug and some dap, right? To be like, yo, what's up, fam? It's good to see you as it always is. You know, how's everything going? And Danny was just like, yo, you got five minutes. And I was like, word, like five minutes for you, like anytime, anytime you want to be able to do that joint. Like, you know, if you tell me you need two minutes, I'll do it. If you need me to, if Danny would have told me like, yo, I'm going to go, I need you to fly out to go do a thing. Like I'll find time to figure that out because no clip is, is that joint, but you know, being able to just go and see him and then be a part of something that is this big and something that is also going to last for a very long time. Like this is a documentary that I think will will last a long time because it has that relevance, but it goes back to the power of yes. Right. I remember at least, gosh, how many years was it now at this point? I think it was maybe at least like a year and some change. Um, I remember there being a conversation about, you know, how, and you know, how can we grow what we're doing here on the show? And I remember saying to myself, I was like, yo, I'm going to take a a year. I'm going to take a year and any opportunity that comes my way, I'm not going to say no to. If it means I have to pay money out of pocket, which I do, if it means that I have to, you know, you know, cut out of work early, if it means I have to take PTO, if it means I have to figure out, you know, whatever means it is to be able to take that opportunity to grow this thing that now has legs and also is giving people joy and also you know, influencing what the, the, the gaming industry is going to do, I'm going to need to take that time, that effort, that energy, that money and figure out a way to make it happen. And I feel like things like this, where now I can roll up to people who I've looked up to for a long time and been like, yo, I enjoy your work. And then be like, come be a part of this has been a part of that stuff. Like I could have just been like, yo, Danny, I got to run. Cause I got to go do some other stuff. And I got I'm late for an appointment. Or I got to go do a thing on an, on an appointment. But you make time for the people who do good work. You make time for the people who understand what you do and have repped for you in real ways. I remember the time that Danny rocked um, a Bacago shirt and caught one of these. He rocked a Bacago shirt on Giant Bomb and like sent me a tweet and sent me a text. and was like, yo, I'm going to rock this on the show tonight just to rep y'all and just to get your get your name out there a little bit more. And and and, you know, bringing us on to GameSpot some years ago, you know, gave us a big, a huge break in that in that respect. But you know, like I rep for Dan- I rep for Danny. I rep for NoClip hard because they believe in what we do. They continue to support us. They continue to be in our corner. And to see them put together this documentary that I know took a long time to do. I remember I keep asking Danny every every E3, like, yo, I want to record some stuff with you. We got to get things together. Da da da. And he's like, fam, I can't do it because I'm I'm gonna be busy doing stuff. And every time he says he's gonna be busy doing stuff, yes, of course he's busy doing stuff, but he's also making dope stuff. So it's like. I can't ever be mad at the fact that that's a thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's always fun, fantastic to be able to see that stuff. So, um, again, like it, it, it really did bring me a bunch of joy to be able to, 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 to take that information in and to feel weirdly through that documentary that, um, the work that we do is validated going to these events is validating 
going to these things and getting that face to face time is important to be able to grow what we're trying to do and to grow all the things that we love while also, while also, um, making sure that everything is kind of, you know, maneuvering and getting into other spots. B Smitty, thank you so much for coming through tonight. Mad, mad love to you in the chat. Um, so it, it is one of those things where, again, you know, take time to look at that. Um, there were some great pieces. I love the, um, I loved the Twitch stuff that was in there. Uh, that was pretty fantastic. The Rich Gallup stuff was fantastic, especially in the beginning where they talk about just the history of E3. I think that was really, really insightful for folks who don't know that, who don't know that history. Like that's the thing that bugged me out, even though I knew some of it, I was like, it's always great to be able to like understand just how far that show has come. And like knowing that that is a thing that, you know, again, we take for granted because now everything is glitz and glamour, you know, Keanu Reeves on stage, all this craziness is happening right now. But like that, hearing the stories of Rich Gallup running and grabbing tape, tape, you know, real tape and running from one place to another to be able to get people the uh, assets that they need so that GameSpot could put on a show. Like, it's not that long ago. You know what I mean? It's really not that long ago. It's kind of crazy just how far things have come in terms of game coverage in such a very short amount of time. And I think that that, again, is like one of those things where, you know, it is a blessing to be able to be in a space where you are respected and your work feels good. And it feels like the people who are not only just in the chat tonight, but who hit us up on Twitter and now people who are finding us on YouTube through our stuff that we're doing, understand and appreciate all the work that we're doing. And again, like mad kudos to Danny. It's a two person team. Now three person team who's bringing you all that wonderful coverage. I don't know how they do it with just two people. Like we had two people and myself this year at E3 shout out to um, Evan Campbell and Shola for volunteering their time to help us bring you the coverage that we brought you this year. Um, I, I, again, like I'm blown away by the fact that people like that, who are amazingly skilled, highly skilled people who have worked on huge shows that week, uh, were able to like say, Hey, Ka, we like what Spawnami is doing and we want to support it with our work. And they did and like, they did that stuff, you know, just on the sake of the strength of us. That's crazy. Full-time editor, full-time cameraman, like, um, like craziness. So it's, it's a lot of stuff, you know what I mean? It's a lot of things in that space. So huge shout out to the folks at Noclip again, please watch that video. Um, and like, make sure that you're supporting them. I know they have a Patreon. Um, we'll put that stuff in the show notes so that you can get a chance to look at the link, but I really do think that the conversation I had with Danny before he started no clip, um, we had a real dope heart to heart and to hear the conversations and to hear the passion about what he was trying to do with this new outfit. He has far surpassed any of the stuff that we thought was going to be the beginnings of what that was. And it just showcases just how fantastic, uh, the work that he does is so massive 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 amounts of love to the folks over at noclip for all the fun all the wonderful work that they do and definitely support them in, in as, as many ways as you possibly can um we're gonna move on from the noclip love for a second um there was really like two stories this 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 week and i'm not going to talk about the the gamer bathwater because i want to but i don't have anything good to say uh and and i'm not hating on it i think it's, i think her hustle is amazing like the fact that she pulled that off and people were like buying it is is less uh congratulations about a really dope maneuver and more about my commentary more about just how thirsty dudes are because dudes are mad thirsty you're gonna go buy somebody's bath water with their butt juices all in it i don't know what the deal is with that anyway that's a whole nother story that's a whole other discussion that goes back to a whole other conversation that we had on twitter today about if there was a pokemon that you could eat uh, which one would it be? Uh, there's, there's a lot of conversations about that. And I was like, yes, it depends on, you know, what kind of booty meat does that Pokemon have? Uh, because then that would be a very, very specific answer to that. Uh, easy peasy, uh, asks in the chat, uh, did you, you didn't know anything about the gamer bathwater thing? Um, so the gamer bathwater thing, basically there was a, uh, an influencer. Um, she supposedly does like these performance pieces. Um, and 
what she did was she bottled up bath water that she sat in and sold it for 30 bucks a pop and she sold out of it. I don't understand. I don't know why people did it. I get it because it's like this weird thing that people kind of like, like, I don't, I don't, I've seen people like, I'm not going to hate on anybody's kink. If you have a kink, do your thing. I'm not spending money with somebody's booty, booty water. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not paying attention to that. I don't know if she washed her legs. I would hope so, but I'm, I'm the records show and this and statistics say that probably didn't. So I'm just going to say this probably like chafed leg pieces up in the, up in that bath water. I saw somebody vaping it the other night. That was a whole other conversation that showed up on Twitter today. Vaped the bath water that was in there. I was like, yo, dudes, dudes are stupid. Like, that's the real thing. Dudes are dumb. Dudes would do the dumbest stuff for the sake of just want to be close to, to, to women in whatever form or fashion they could do. I know it is a thing that has been passed along through time and space. But I don't understand why you pay $30 for somebody's booty and leg water. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I would, maybe I'm just born another time and I'm just too old to understand what the deal is with that. I guess so. True. Truth on that, uh, Key. True. True on that. I appreciate that. But the other story that I wanted to talk about this week was one that I actually was touched upon by the wonderful folks over at Gamertag Radio. Again, if you're not paying attention to the folks at Gamertag Radio Show, always check out their stuff. They're doing fantastic stuff constantly and on a consistent basis they they knock out fantastic shows but there was one thing that they talked about um during the last episode i believe and it was the story about how sony is kind of looking to lock down the hardcore gamer for when they launch their playstation 5 and i sat and i kind of listened to the conversation they had there and there was another part of the conversation that's been playing itself out and and some of the you know kind of cliff notes about what they kind of talked about with Kenshiro Yoshida, um, who described the um, the PlayStation Five. He's the the Sony chief executive over there. Um, you know they're kind of talking about the conversation about you know moving to 8K and that being a huge thing. Um, they're wanting to make sure that they lock down all these AAA studios and AAA exclusives. And, you know, why that isn't important as, a, as as moving forward when we see that Microsoft is gaining ground. Well, hopefully we'll be gaining ground with the Scarlet and also Google Stadia coming into the fold. And trying to, you know, maneuver in that space where they're going to try to be that in between uh, between, you know, quote unquote, hardcore and, and, and other kind of platforms. And that conversation has been really interesting because. Stadia is still an unknown. We don't know what that's going to be. You know, the conversations around cloud gaming are still up in the air. It's still not going to be a thing that I think is going to work just yet. Like, I feel like the infrastructure doesn't do enough or we don't have enough of the Internet infrastructure in the United States to make that work in a real a real way. Google, in terms of companies who I think could 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 make it happen, though, I think they have a fantastic chance because they are everywhere that you can possibly see. Like, I'm sure that they have amazing amounts of data centers all around the, the continental US. So I feel like that's going to be a thing that we already know is going to be in, in the process, but I just don't think that streaming for most people is going to be a viable option. We already know that there's data caps for a whole bunch of people. I have a data cap myself. I consistently go over my data cap because we have review copies and I, I usually ask for a download downloadable versions of stuff and not physical copies of things. So Google Stadia is one thing. Microsoft is making momentum and making moves. They've been planning and plotting and moving around in that space. But everybody's been kind of waiting on the PlayStation 5. And the only thing that we've really heard about the PlayStation 5 right now is that they're going to kind of implement this technology where you won't have to have loads in your game, right? So that's one conversation that we've had. The other parts of that are still fairly unknown. This has been the most recent version of information that we've seen in terms of that and their new SSDs and all that stuff that they've patented. But the thing that I find really troubling about the conversation about the maneuvering towards more of a hardcore base is that that removes so many people out of the equation just in the vernacular that you use. You know, uh, folks in the chat talked about just the idea of, you know, quantifying or naming things as just the hardcore removes and is condescending in a lot of ways. I agree with that. I think that it's a different, it's an easy 
um, it's an easy way to delineate parts of your of your audience and a part of your consumer base. I think, you know, casual versus hardcore. We had a dope conversation with that with uh, uh, Adriel Wallach and, and a lot of folks when we had it during E3. Check out that show as well on YouTube. But the thing that I find most interesting and the thing I think a lot of people haven't talked about is one during the PS3 era, one of the foundations of why that system was so fantastic and why Sony was winning that particular part of the, the culture gaming war or that part of the console war was that they had all these really fun, super weird games that kind of defined the, 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 the genre that we saw most games in. Like I remember games like Echo Chrome and games like 4AM and I remember games like um, that one game that had like the Pomeranian dog where you were kind of rolling around and everyone was animals and you would kind of fight each other in this uh, post-apocalyptic Japan. You know, there, there were so many different games of that era that kind of got lost towards the PS4 era, which we found them moving into a more high fidelity, high... Uh, um, exclusive quote-unquote hardcore audience maneuver and i feel like they lost a lot of stuff in between those spaces tokyo jungle thank you to to Puscoms in the in the chat for giving me that info um I, I think that that conversation continues now when they're moving again another generation and i think that the thing that makes the the thing that gives me the most worry is not only just the folks who uh, not only just the games that are going to be made in this era, uh, but I think seeing and hearing conversations about some of the people who have either reorged in, uh, uh, in within Sony, within PlayStation, and then seeing some of the folks who ran platform in terms of third party stuff and other things, seeing some of those folks now move on, even as, even as late as, or, or even as the beginning of this this week, or, or I'm sorry, the, the end of last week, a lot of folks being like, hey, you know, this my, my time at Sony is over. I'm going to be moving on to different pastures. Those folks that I that I will not name now, you can probably guess who those people are if you pay attention to the gaming industry. Like, it's, it's, it's interesting to see those internal maneuvers happen and then see this conversation around, you know, the hardcore game being the main game that they want to kind of uphold and lift up in the spotlight. That to me gives me more worry than anything else. That tells me that there's not only maybe, and this is speculation, I will say this off the bat, off the jump. When you see people kind of moving around in those spaces and saying, Hey, uh, you know, the, 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 I may be moving on. Uh, and I don't know if it's directly connected. Um, folks like John Drake, moving on to, to new positions and things like that. I wonder if those things are less about the portfolio. I'm sorry, more about the, you know, the people in, in, in response, but I feel like it's more about the portfolio of the games, maybe being so niche that they don't allow for growth in a bigger sense. And I feel like that growth in a bigger sense is one, what keeps the gaming industry fun and interesting. And two, I think as a platform, it makes your platform way more nimble to be able to say like, okay, dope, we're going to have cyberpunk as the main game. That's going to usher in, you know, the, the, the PS five and whatever that graphical fidelity is going to wind up being on console so that we're getting closer to PC. But in between that time, we have these smaller games that kind of maneuver in those smaller spaces. That one that I that I'm going to talk about, you know, towards the end of the show that blew me away. And what happens to those experiences? Do those experiences just kind of like not go to your platform anymore? Like, are we going to see fun games that we didn't necessarily see before because they're just not going to be on that platform? It doesn't really make sense in terms of money. It makes sense in terms of curation. I think that's a big conversation to have about like. Are you having bad games on your platform just for the sake of it? Like we've seen, you know, pre game pass on Microsoft side, there was a lot of issue with 
some of the games for gold and some of the games that they kind of put in when they did the early access stuff on Microsoft's platform, where some of the games weren't ready. Like they weren't ready for prime time. They weren't supposed to be out in the world yet, but because of early access, they had an ability to kind of go out and make money. But I don't know if that making of that money helped that producer or helped that game grow and get the spotlight that it deserved because it didn't have enough time to bake. So there is this really in between space where you don't really want to have easy uh, early access for everything because that just doesn't work as well. We've seen it happen with Steam and that's bad. But you also don't want to alienate folks who come in for smaller niche titles. Like, would Journey be a game that now in this day and time would be a thing that would be on a PS5? From the way that the conversations are happening over at the PlayStation side, the answer would probably be no. And think about how fantastic that game was. Think about how that game changed so many things in the gaming industry. Think about how many memories are held because of just what that game did in the space. So if Sony's going to maneuver themselves away from smaller niche games, like think about it this way too. Like when you think of niche games, we're not even talking just about like strictly uh, 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 like really small indie titles, but I think about stuff like Bastion. I think about stuff from Supergiant. Like, do we get Pyre on a, on a PlayStation platform? On, in the PS5 era, whatever that version of games is, is going to wind up being. I would love for folks who are in the industry, who are in that smaller space, once Sony really defines what that means, to come on the show. I want to have conversations about like, what does that actually mean to you as a, as a consumer or as a producer of video games? And what does that mean, again, for the consumer? Like, you know, there are so many smaller titles that I feel have been doing better work than some of the larger ones that we've seen. What does that mean? What does that mean for, again, the space? And does that also then give Microsoft an upper hand to be able to say like, hey, if you don't want to go over there and they won't let you be over there and they don't want you over here, come over here. Like, this is a great place for you to do it. You see that they've been pushing really hard with ID at Xbox for a very long time. ID at Xbox puts out fantastic games all the time. They have been bolstering their indie lineup since the end of the PS3 era, they've been putting out dope stuff for a very long time. So it's easy to be able to see how some of that stuff has worked and maneuvered. And also just like, what does that again do for publishers, uh, the consumer and other folks who are in that space? Because Sony has had this huge, huge lead this console generation. So I, I, I'm, I, I don't know if that's going to be a maneuver that's going to be fantastic for them. I hope that they are able to, you know, further reflect and further convey what they are actually trying to do in terms of this particular maneuver. Because I think that they're already going to be locked down and have great experiences in that double A, triple A space. I am just hoping that we don't lose wonderful gems in in the process of them kind of looking towards getting to this one particular uh, pivot point in terms of their consumer base. I hope that isn't the thing that they just lose out on f fantastic experiences, stuff that they have been building uh, uh, good um, frameworks for for a very long time. So it, it will be interesting to see how that works. And, uh, and I'm hoping that they figure that out in a real way. Um, so that they can share out that information before everything launches. And I really think it depends on what happens with Microsoft to see just how far they're going to go with uh, bringing in more studios on the, on the Microsoft side to see what Sony does to counter um, and how they kind of maneuver that stuff. So we're going to take a quick break, about two minutes or so. I'm going to get some water, run to the bathroom, all that good stuff. Uh, and we'll be back in about two minutes or so.
Welcome back to the Spawn of Me podcast. I'm your host, Kylie Fathoms. As per usual, thank you everybody for hanging out during the break. Massive love to you all. Super excited to be able to chat with you all about the last story that we have for this week, episode 302 of the Spawn of Me podcast. So off the heels of the conversation we just had about, you know, smaller games and kind of indie spaces, I got a chance to play a fantastic game this week. It dropped this week, so definitely cop it. Um, it. It comes off the heels of a fairly emotional weekend for myself, too. Just like, it's just been a, a hard year. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of things happening in this space. So it's always weird when you have like a game that's just going to tell you right off the bat that it's going to be an emotional ride for you. Um, you don't really know what to do until you actually like go into to playing the game and actually like you're going to experience it. So... The game I'm talking about is this wonderful game from EA called Sea of Solitude. I remember it making this really big splash, uh, literally, because it's in the water a lot, uh, but making this really big splash about, you know, this really dope art style that I hadn't really seen before. And it was kind of beautiful in this really sparse uh, uh, aesthetic, right? So it's like brings a lot of these really like interesting uh visual touch points while also conveying the conversation about you know mental health and about you know uh you know mental anguish and 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 going through the process of having a lot of feelings about you know not only the world but about you know what you've been able to do within it and you kind of take on this character who is this young girl um but she's being this is you're actually kind of how you're in the conversation about or embodying this young woman, I should say, but your avatar is this young girl. And this young girl is having these flashbacks throughout, you know, her journey about these really traumatic things that have happened to her emotionally and how she's trying to kind of connect these, these emotional dots to better, not only herself, but to get closure about certain incidents that happened to her and to, kind of relive some of these moments and it was interesting because it's like if you were to kind of give the tldr of what this game is it's like i've been triggered the game (laughs) which to a certain extent is kind of kind of okay right you want to be able to kind of be in a space where you can mentally kind of sit with the things that you have in real life and figure out you know how you are going to you know make amends with yourself, make amends with other people, understand the emotional impact of, you know, how you are conveying conversations and relationships and all those things and how those things kind of interconnect. And Sea of Solitude is one of my favorite games that I've ever been able to experience. It is like what I felt after I finished Journey. Like, I feel like this is Journey 2.0, but in an even more elegant way, because you have all these char- you have like character development within the game itself that is from the main character uh you have it from other people within the story you have it um kind of coming in from these side side angles that you didn't expect and it was just really interesting to pull back after while playing it to feel like oh wow some of the things that this character is going through um, who, you know, some of these things are based on the story or the life of, of a woman, Cornelia Gephardt, who, um, made the game or who helped to write it. And like seeing just how similar some of the experiences that she had as a person in this space to what I have had in my own personal life was really like one of those moments where you feel like games are doing exactly what they should be doing, or at least this game is doing that thing. And it was like, I would say maybe four hours, five hours, maybe of gameplay and maybe a little bit more. Um, It wasn't a super long game. It wasn't something that was super uh, uh, convoluted or complicated in terms of the, 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 the gameplay itself. A lot of it was kind of puzzle puzzle based while also kind of doing a little bit of exploring while also kind of doing a little bit of, um, catch and mouse uh, cat and mouse kind of gameplay where you know you're trying to run away from your demons basically literally your demons um because you don't want your demons to catch up with you and you don't want them to overtake you um there's this huge demon fish that you see in the game often 
uh, that is uh, keeping you and gatekeeping you from getting from one place to another. Uh, and that keeping of you from getting to the next space, you have to figure out and kind of make amends with the person that either wronged you or, you know, you had a, a, an argument with or you had some memory that is uh, embodied by these monsters. Um, and those things are keeping you from doing what you want to do and progressing through the story. It's a really smart way to have produced what this game was trying to do in a very emotional way. And I left it and I sat with it for a, at least an hour or so after I played it and stopped in the middle of playing it sometimes because it, was, it just got real heavy, but not in a, um, uh, not in an oppressive way. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was good to be able to see this person kind of working through some of the issues that they had. And I love they kind of embody those things, not only in monsters, but these things that you're kind of seeing as well, this kind of congestion, this kind of corruption that was these negative feelings that we see um, in the world. And I love the fact that it was done in that way so that it really brought together this visual style with feelings that a lot of times you don't know how to convey. And it was cool to be able to see the visual stylings that were attached to those feelings and having those feelings be in the in, in that game space and also remembering just how human it is to be able to have some of those emotions and to go through some of those trials and tribulations and to feel like the character while you're learning about her story and how she's overcoming these issues and overcoming these emotional traumas is able to help you kind of do some introspection and kind of think about, you know, how have you been, you know, conveying these feelings in healthy and, and, and unhealthy ways? Like, are you holding in these emotions that are being bottled up and, and you're not letting them go and you're not paying attention to the surroundings uh, emotionally that are, that are near you? Are you doing that work internally? Um, and it was just so well done. It was so beautiful. And it made me think of just like relationships and friendships and family and, and, and all those things. And I hadn't had an experience like that in a very long time. And um, I, I just have to give, you know, Cornelia and EA massive amount of props and, and, and kudos because games like this, again, like you, with that conversation we just had about Sony, games like this are not dying, but people are not putting them out in ways that we see on a consistent basis. So to see a huge publisher like EA under the EA creators, uh, uh, umbrella, put this thing out or EA originals, I should say EA originals umbrella. It is really dope to be able to see that a company is again, caring about that stuff. Like I've seen it from smaller outfits like Annapurna, um, and folks like that Annapurna interactive who have been putting out these really beautiful games. They put out so many fantastic games in their portfolio that touch to these emotional moments. Um, but you don't think of these things happening with folks like EA, especially when they've been under so much fire with their conversations about their surprise mechanics, quote unquote, uh, with their loot box systems and stuff that have been in, in, in so many of their games. So it's been a really, a really fun experience in a very heavy setting to be able to see a game like this kind of come to fruition and come to life. Um, and it was an experience that I feel like will sit with me for a very long time. And I, I employ everyone it's 20 bucks on, on, uh, most platforms. I think it's on PS4, Xbox and PC. Um, the visual styles of that game are just gorgeous. They look fantastic. It is well acted. Um, the voice acting, it is really good in a way that again, when conveying emotion, it is very hard to do in a not kind of, um, corny or cheesy way when you're trying to talk about real people's emotions in real ways. And I feel like they nailed that part too. Like you, you get the idea that the people who have, who are acting these parts out have felt these things. They have been a part of these conversations, both hard and fun and silly and all those things. Um, and it was just really amazing to, to, to sit down for those hours and ingest that reflect upon it and then hope for more games like that, that we've seen in this space. I feel like 
we need way more of these kinds of games in the space. These are the games that kind of, I think, move the, 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 the needle forward in terms of bridging that gap between, um, you know, our game's art and, you know, are, are we just going to be here to shoot things all the time? And the fact that I never had to pick up a weapon felt great. It felt really nice to be able to just be in a beautiful space that was also haunting and to feel like those things were, were well-made and well-crafted. Um, and again, like Sea of Solitude, I feel like if it doesn't get somewhere in the game of the year list, that's a damn shame. It needs to be in the game of the year list in some form or fashion because it really was one of the best experiences I've had in a very long time. So if you get the chance to check that out, please make sure you check that out. Next week, I'm going to talk a little bit more about my friend Pedro because that's a game that I've been playing and I haven't had a chance to talk about it. So that's one thing. I'll tell you a little bit about more of my trials and tribulations about uh, uh, MK Online. Uh, MK11 is a fantastic game. I just uh, MK11, the combat league stuff, is also is also really good. But I'm learning a lot about myself actually while I play games like this online. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that in some future shows. Um, and if you are watching or, or if you have subscribed to our YouTube channel, we got a huge shout out from Greg Greg Miller over at uh, Kind of Funny last week. And we're almost at 900. No, we're almost at like 850 or something like that in terms of our subscribers. We're hoping to get to a thousand at least before the end of the month. Uh, that would be fantastic. If we can get to at least a thousand subscribers over there. So make sure you're subscribing to us there. And tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, uh, the day that we usually drop our episodes, uh, make sure you're checking out our YouTube channel because one, this episode will be on our YouTube channel. And two, there is a very cool uh, reveal of some tech that we got a chance to play around with a little bit early uh, from our friends over at Logitech. Uh, so you want to see that because I put together a nice video. I got a chance to, to, to do some cool stuff with some of my equipment um, and the products that we're going to be talking about in that video is pretty dope. I really do appreciate it and, and want to give massive amounts of love and shout out to the folks over at Logitech for bringing us into the fold and thinking about us when they want to showcase some new tech. So everybody, Massive amounts of love to you all for hanging out with us in podcast land, hanging out with us in Twitch land, hanging out with us at, on xray.fm over in the Oregon area on radio one o'clock on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Again, everybody who is rocking with us in Chicago, we love you all. Thank you all for all the wonderful work that you do. Thank you all for rocking with us and sharing our work and making sure that we're good and reaching out to us on social media and giving us love. Um, and until next week, we will say peace. The Spawn on Me podcast can be found every Tuesday on all podcast platforms and Portland radio at xray.fm at 107.1 slash 91.1. You can find us live every Thursday on twitch.tv slash Spawn on Me. If you want to reach out to us on the show, you can hit us up on our site, spawnonme.com, where you can find all our social media information about our Twitter, Instagram, and everything else alongside our contact page if you want to reach out and shoot us a message or a business inquiry. Much love to you all. Thank you so much for listening every week. And we say peace.